from Boulder, Colorado. I've spent the past two weeks in this mountain town and honestly, I'm pretty smitten. I love hiking in the foothills every day after work. I love wandering down Pearl Street, eating at the fancy food halls. I love the gorgeous gardens in my neighborhood, especially this one house with these birds painted on the fence and a chicken coop with a chandelier inside. Boulder's just a really wonderful place. The kind of place where strangers smell at you in the street. And I can't pretend I haven't been perusing real estate listings, daydreaming about what a wholesome human I'd be if I lived here. So that's the latest from my adventure. And I feel very fortunate to have one of my favorite writers on the podcast this week. It's the insanely talented Mari Andrew, writer, artist, speaker, and probably the best person on social media, in my humble opinion. Like many people, I first found Mari on Instagram, where she's known for her beautiful watercolor illustrations and profound musings on life's messiest experiences. The success of her beautiful books, Am I There Yet? and My Inner Sky, are a testament to the writerly wisdom that the more personal the experience shared by an author, the more universal it ends up being. Mari has always been a big traveler. Specifically, she's always loved to travel alone, be the observer, soak up experiences, and channel them into her creativity. But a solo trip to the Greek island of Hydra changed that preference for aloneness. While exploring this idyllic island, so dazzlingly white she describes it as diamond-like, Mari had the realization that beauty is made to be shared. On this episode, Mari and I discuss the shift from self-seeking to self-sharing, the hyper-observational mindset travel creates and how it inspires art, and the ways that exploring new places helps us explore new sides of ourselves. I'm so excited that you agreed to do this. I'm oh my gosh, it's such a joy. It's such a joy. I I feel I'm always talking about the same old stuff on <laughs> on podcasts it's like oh shake it up a little so I normally like to begin by asking people where did your love of travel originate Mm. so my grandpa was a pilot and would get my mom and I discounts on kind of random trips they were always like the the trips that you know, didn't get enough people. So, so you get like the free trip to Bulgaria or something. (laughs) And so I've always, I've always gotten to travel, which is really great. Not necessarily to places that we chose to go to (laughs) me and my mom, I'm an only child. And so it was pretty easy for her to just kind of schlep me around the world whenever a trip would pop up. So it was always, you know, comfortable for me, I guess, to, to be abroad. I've always been really independent. It's always made a lot of sense to me to go by myself. And I would say where I really fell in love with solo travel, which has been such a huge part of my life, was deciding to go to Guatemala when I was maybe 18 or 19. And I just went for a week during spring break and it was so magical. And it surprised me how many people asked who are you going with? Or why are you going there? And I thought, well, I want to, and I don't want to go with anyone else. So I'm going to do that. So I, so I had this comfort with it, but I think the real falling in love with it, the beauty and wonder of being by yourself um, abroad, that was in my, in my late teens and just couldn't be stopped since. And why do you think being by yourself while you travel appealed to you so much? Like what, what was it about that experience that was so magical? 
You know, I got to say, I don't think it was the appeal of being by myself as much as like the unappeal of being with others. So like, I just had no interest. I just thought, I don't want to be with anyone. I, I'm very comfortable by myself. I've, I've been really independent my whole life. And I just thought, dang, yeah, like hotel room alone, that's the move. Like, so why good. would I want to bring anyone else? And then I realized you can just make your days and you can do your thing. And, and that just always appealed to me so much more than trying to bring other people into it. I just kind of thought, what are people getting from that? (laughs) (laughs) This is probably an obvious connection to make, but do you think it's to do with being an only child? And I'm sure. I'm sure. Although I know, I always say that's like, oh, I do this because I'm an only child. I use that all the right. time. And then I meet only children who aren't like that at all. So maybe I'm I'm uh, putting too much of my identity on it. But yeah, I mean, I think an ease with, with moving through the world independently. I also, in addition to being an only, only child, I really didn't have many friends growing up at all. So I just didn't really have the option <laughs> to, to be with other people. And that just got me into my own company right away. Like I, I remember going to movies by myself when I was you know, 12 and just occurred to me as the thing to do. So yeah, probably just a comfort with kind of doing it alone. And when you're on your own, I feel like you have to make very conscious choices to integrate yourself in activities and things that are going on in the location. So when you arrive in a new place, how do you kind of settle in and make yourself feel at home and connect with others? Oh, I love that question because that's such a big part of it. You know, it's so funny when I'm at home in New York, I don't have a routine at all. I actually really resent (laughs) the idea of a routine. I've never been able to get into one. Of course, I've tried 500 morning routines and failed (laughs) all of them. I've, I've had like three days going strong for every morning routine you can imagine. And then I just abandoned them. I'm just not a routine person. But when I travel, I need to have so much structure. And I think that it is kind of like integrating myself in that world. It's like, you know, going to the same coffee shop every morning, which might seem like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm limiting myself from from trying others. But I love the feeling of being somewhere for five days. And on the fifth day, they know your order and they know your name. And I just think that's so cool. And you kind of feel like you belong there for a week or however long. So when I, when I am traveling, I immediately, I get my coffee shop, even if it isn't good and I stick to it, damn it. I'm there every morning. (laughs) I love that. Are you good at talking to strangers? I think so. Yeah, I think so. As introverted as I have been in my life and, and how hard it was for me to make friends for such a long time, I think there's something about strangers. It's so anonymous. It's like, I may never see you again. So I can just I can just go for it. I can be really flirty. I can, you know, give like really outlandish compliments. I can try all my, my terrible foreign language efforts and who cares? You know, there's, I think with travel, it's such a liberating experience, especially by yourself because you're really quite anonymous. That's something I love about New York too. You know, you can kind of have this boldness of anonymity, which is really it, it kind of pushes you to new corners of your personality. Oh, that's a great way of putting that. Love it. I listened to you on an amazing podcast called Everything Happens oh. with Kate Bowler. 
great podcast. And you guys touched on something that I think about often, which is traveling as a way to manage transitions in life. So I think we do this in society with honeymoons and baby moons and gap years, but I think people also do it for more specific and personal reasons. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering how does travel help you to process things and move forward? God, what a wonderful question. Every trip I've taken has been so intentional and mm. it really I I'm a mythologizer of my own life. So I see everything that I do kind of in the context of the rest of my life. For better or worse. I mean, sometimes this is a beautiful thing. I I ascribe a lot of meaning and um, significance to and symbolism to certain things that have happened to me. And then I write about it. It's very convenient as a writer to do that, to do that naturally. And so every trip that I've taken, these, these kind of solo trips that have punctuated different times of my life, like really put a period or a opening quotation mark on, on different times of my life, they've all been very purposeful. And I don't know if that's something that a lot of people do. I haven't really talked about it with friends, but there have been so many trips where I felt like, okay, this is me going into adulthood. This is me emboldening myself. This is me showing myself that I can do such and such. This is because I'm a writer now. This is because I'm single now. You know, it's, um, they all kind of have this, it's like at the beginning of a yoga class where they say, set your intention. And I must say, I always freeze up at that part because I think, oh no, I want to have a good intention. And I never know if it's like good enough, but you know, sometimes my intentions have been to have fun or to rest or, you know, it hasn't always had to be so, uh, so grandiose, but they really do feel like they kind of separate these eras of my life. And I would highly suggest that anyone do that. I think it's a wonderful way to kind of end something or begin something else. Right. It's like, it doesn't always have to be celebrating a new chapter. Sometimes it's bittersweet, you know, you're like kind of closing something. Yes. But yeah, I think it's, something that a lot well I say a lot of people I definitely do it I'm doing it right now with this trip I'm on wonderful yeah so it's just it's cool and I think it must also influence your you creatively right and especially if as you as you say you're mythologizing your life as you go and creating these narratives can you talk a bit about how it sparks your creativity when you travel gosh you know I thought a lot about that like you know, it's such a, I think it's such an easy thing to, to understand that a different landscape would be very inspiring, but it's like, what is it exactly? I think that it is kind of this hyper observation, of course, that you're, you know, you're in this new place and everything looks kind of different, smells different. You're like a little baby who's just kind of like, ah, the world, (laughs) you know, what's going on here? I remember, you know, especially living in foreign countries, which I've done a, a few times, the littlest thing that you have to do is such an undertaking. Sometimes it's just not worth it. It's like, okay, I could go, you know, buy whatever from the convenience store, but that's going to mean like asking someone to help. And then how do I pay first? Or there's all these little rules. So your, your little brain is like the algorithm is broken, right? It's like, you are, you are in totally fresh space. And so that obviously, you know, would spark other parts of your brain, which is very creative. But I do think there's something I haven't yet identified that's like, am I seeing myself in a new way or am I 
you know, maybe watching the way that other people do things and like, what is this, this nourishment of creativity beyond just being hyper observant? Have you figured that out? Like, what is, what is happening to the mind? I need like a neurologist or something to tell me is it can't just be like the, the observation. It's gotta be something else. that's like sparking that wonder. I think it, it is hyper observant is a good way of putting it because I do think that that's a big part of it. And it's amazing these small moments of joy that you get. Like mm-hmm. here in Boulder, there are tiny, cute little, they all are like baby bunny rabbits <laughs> that just pop out every now and again. And it gives me so much joy oh just to God, see these tiny bunnies. Funny. And it's something that, you know, you don't get in New York. It's usually rats <laughs> in New York. Exactly. different. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a small thing, but it, it causes like a big a wave of joy. Yes. That is so right. And I, t- I mean, I'm, I'm one of these kind of like tortured artists who actually does work best from a place of joy. So that might be part of it too. Yeah. I think there's something about being cracked open in a new way and trying on new versions of yourself. You know, when you go to a new place and you see how different people live, it gives you a sense of oh, my life could be like this. I could live, live like this. You notice the differences. And so in some way, it's, a, it's an external journey, but also an internal journey. <laughs> uh, of course. You know, what's so funny. I was just reminiscing. The last trip I took was in uh, Patagonia, Argentina, and I had to leave during the pandemic, which was so, so sad because <laughs> it, it was this tiny town in the mountains, like totally untouched, like totally fine. And it was just so... I was so resentful that like, why, like this place is so pristine and so untouched. We're in, we're in the most like safe, lovely place, but there's this thing like coming and it just, it felt so wrong that this beauty would be invaded. And, you know, all of those, all of those early pandemic feelings. Mm. But during that, the time I was there, I remember I met a lot of people um, from other countries. It's kind of like a hiker's paradise. So a lot of people come through and some people would say like, oh, I could tell you were from New York right away. And some people would, I, I this woman saying like, oh, you, I can tell you go to Burning Man, right? And I thought, no, God, no. What, what am I projecting? And it was so interesting just to be like the subject of observation or oh, the object, yeah. you know, like, and so you start, see, it's like, oh, maybe I am like more of a birding man type. I don't even know what that would be, but like, I, maybe I am more of a hippie than I thought I was, or maybe I am more like straight laced than I thought I was, or mm-hmm. you're seeing yourself in the, like observed by other people, or, you know, you, you see yourself as so beautiful when this man comes up to you and starts serenading you <laughs> aggressively. And you, I think because of that too, like you see yourself in different kind of funhouse mirrors and that has to spark something, some kind of introspection for sure. Yeah. New lines of self-inquiry for sure. Exactly. So obviously your career has gone from strength to strength in the past few years. I feel like I'm always on your Instagram, like forwarding, <laughs> forwarding things to people. Oh, I'm so sweet. <laughs> and you've written a lot about very personal things. How do you combat feelings of vulnerability when you're sharing yourself with the world in that way? This is probably my most controversial <laughs> opinion. I don't think what I share is vulnerable. 
I think it's personal. It doesn't feel vulnerable to me because it's so processed. Mm. And it's also like stuff that I feel really comfortable sharing. I think if I had to share like a day in my life, it would be the most self-conscious I could possibly feel because it would seem, it would be so boring. And I think, ah, this isn't cool enough. People are going to find out I'm, I'm so totally boring. And, um, and the shows I watch and all of that, you know, there are like actual vulnerable things that would be very hard for me to share or like, you know, just the, like a picture I didn't want shared or something. But when, when I talk about these kind of innermost, you know, sadness or heartbreak or longing or what any number of things that I write about, I kind of, I know intuitively that everyone's going through that. And I think I actually learned that from being a, um, a very isolated teenager with no friends because I was just watching people all the time. And I thought, it's so funny how we're all presenting ourselves so differently, but we're just all really going through the same thing. And so it, it doesn't feel scary to me to share that because it's like, well, I know you're, I know you're going through it too. I know you are, but I don't know if other people are going through you know, things that I'm really self-conscious about that I wouldn't share online. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a kind of like, um, maybe it's sort of a, a filtered vulnerability that just has never felt particularly hard for me. Unlike a lot of things, which are really hard for me, like sticking to a routine, for example. Well, maybe it does. There's something in the processing of it, right? The fact that by the time you put it out there, you've already thought about it. And it's like, yeah you found the story or the lesson and you're ready to share it with everybody where someone said to me the other day share things when it's a scar and not a scab yes and I was like that's a good way of putting it so good and I mean I have definitely overshared at certain points and immediately regretted it but at this point it's like everything is so so highly processed you know it's like it once it gets to the end of the factory line it's, it doesn't feel it's not me sharing my notes app thank god it's not me sharing screenshots of texts that I, you know it's it's not like super personal it's it's just kind of it's just my deepest darkest thoughts <laughs> you're such a warm person and you're such a sensitive person and an empathic or empathetic person. I imagine you get a lot of DMs from people and a lot of emails from people talking about what they're going through personally. How do you take all of that on? Gosh, I mean, it's such an honor. It's such an honor, but I can't really take it on. It's Mm. just, I've realized I, I am so sensitive to what other people saying what they project and all of that and it's such an honor but it would be very hard to to fully to fully really take that the same as you know walking around New York and mm-hmm. and really feeling people's energy very strongly and and at a certain point just having to say okay I got to be kind of in my own like sovereignty right now and and something I'm working on constantly is is being like really attuned to my own self instead of like attuned outward and so I yeah I I actually try not to read a lot of stuff because it's just it's just a lot and that's you know that's something that feels kind of hard sometimes but I am so you know it's like all right I like I I 
I connect. I like we we've mm-hmm. done the connection and then I like send you on your your beautiful own journey and your beautiful own path. And you will you have everything inside to help you go forward. And I don't think I'm the person to give more insight on this. Yeah, absolutely. And you do have such a connection with your audience. And I guess one of the benefits of being such a beloved writer is that you get really cool opportunities like going to Athens <laughs> to speak for TED. So tell me what was that opportunity and you know how did you end up obviously you decided to extend the trip what was your plan after TED? Um so that was in 2019 which was yeah I think 2019 feels like a decade ago which was a time when I was traveling a lot for work. I really felt kind of I I kind of felt like I was on my I was on top of the world. I felt I was so on my A game that I think that's probably the last year that's um ever maybe in my life going to feel that busy and mm. and I was just taking everything that came to me and um one was this opportunity to do a TED talk in Greece and I thought at the time like I'm just going to go to Athens and I'm going to fly back like I don't have a lot of time to stay and and then I thought what am I doing like I'm going to Greece Greece is the most beautiful place ever have you been I it was actually the first place I went abroad when I was a a tiny baby yeah (laughs) but I haven't been back since I'm dying to go oh my gosh it's just so exquisite Mm -hmm. everything about Greece agrees with me it's like the food just feels Mm, like everything it's just it's my perfect temperature and so I thought I'm going to an island like I gotta go to an island all my friends said you cannot go to Greece and not plant yourself on an island for a week so that's what I did I actually think I went for two weeks and it was glorious and you went to an island called Hydra it's a less visited Greek island do you always seek out less touristy places when you're traveling I'm such a snob. Of course I do. I have to go to the place where no one else has been. I can't do the basic version. I'm like, if everyone's going somewhere, I got to go to the B side. And I I heard of this. Uh, I don't remember how I even heard of it actually, but I knew it was the island where Leonard Cohen had spent a lot of time and some other artists and seemed like a very inspiring, very special place. I always kind of I look for for words when I'm deciding where to go. Ooh. One of them is um yeah, like the way that that things are described. I always look for the word special. If someone describes something as special, I'm I am there. Like you could sell me anything by telling me, "Oh, it's very special." I just I connect with that word so much. <laughs> Whenever people describe something with some kind of like mysticism like oh it's kind of a spiritual place or it's a mystical place I I'm like uh you know like flights.com like (laughs) I'll I'll be there um that's how I chose to uh go to Granada Spain where I spent a lot of time and yeah all of these like little treasures around the world that are that are kind of these special mystical places and Hydra is uh is one of them I don't think I know much about Hydra So can you paint a picture for us of what it was like and how you spent your days? Oh my gosh. I mean, just imagine like the most beautiful place you can imagine. (laughs) It's so beautiful. It's tiny. Um, There's no cars allowed, which I think is different. A few other, I don't know the Greek islands very well, but that's something that I, I, that I thought was, that I heard was special about it. So a lot of donkeys, it is kind of annoying. Like if you have to go from one side to the other. You have to ride a donkey? (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Or a boat. So they have boats to take you around. Yeah. I mean, when I was, I had actually had injured my, my knee when I was, before I, I went there and it was a little hard to kind of get a hobble around all these very, otherwise very charming cobblestone streets. But yeah, I mean, it's the first thing I noticed when I got off the boat is just this blinding white light. It's like the, I mean, it's that kind of that classic like Greek island everything's white and it's so bright and it just felt like like this diamond like the a diamond island just like t- blinding me <laughs> and I would just come from Athens which is sort of a I mean that's an amazing city but it's a wild tangle it's it's gritty it's it's dirty in the best way it's busy um and then to go to this like gemstone was so striking and just like what is this place and it never stopped being like that to me and the people there were kind of confused by you traveling alone yeah yeah so this was such an interesting trip because it was the trip that really kind of made me question my solo travel tendencies, which had been so strong, so strong. I actually, I went, I, I did go to Guatemala uh, when I was in college by myself, but, but when I was in high school, I won this trip to Japan and I was with a little group of people, but I was, but I could, I was in my own host family. So it was kind of like a little intro to solo travel. And so I've been doing it forever. I mean, since I was 15, essentially, like on my own internationally, it felt so comfortable for me, more comfortable than anything. And people are so often very nice to you when you're by yourself, you know, send drinks to your table and, you know, the couple next door, you know, the old couple wants to hear your story and you get, you can get a lot of attention being alone. And it was so funny, this island, this wonderful diamond island was the first place where I felt like, oh, people don't know what to do with me here, which is the only place I've ever felt that. Like if I asked for a table in this lovely alfresco dining experience, you know, there's so many empty tables, it looks beautiful. And they'd be like, oh, just for one, let's send you to the back, like next to the kitchen and the bathroom, like totally, you know, banish me out of sight. And this happened so many times. So it didn't feel like an anomaly. You know, it was like, it was a repeated pattern. And Hydra's not a very touristy place. It's not like Santorini where you would see a lot of couples and honeymooners. It, it's, it's a very specific place where I would imagine a lot of solo travelers go. And I just didn't feel like they were into it. <laughs> they weren't dazzled. They weren't impressed. They were like horrified. Do you think it was because you're a woman? I don't know. I don't know because I've never had that experience before. Mm. But they didn't ask you any questions like, where is your husband? Where are your children? No, I, I mean, I've certainly gotten that before. Yeah, where are your many children you should have? <laughs> I've certainly had that experience, especially while living abroad and just kind of like, what are you doing, girl? You're <laughs> like, go home and find a man. But in Greece, it was, yeah, it was just the first time where I really felt like something was wrong and I've never felt like there was anything wrong with being alone, being single. And it just felt like this major shift. Mm. And I wonder in hindsight, because I do mythologize everything. I wonder if they could pick up on like my different 
energy because it was also the first trip where I didn't really like being by myself, which was so shocking to me. Like I, that personality change was more drastic than like any shift that's ever happened to me. It's just suddenly feeling so disillusioned with being alone. You must've kind of processed this and unpacked this a bit now. Can you pinpoint what was going on in your life at the time that would make you feel that way? So I had just given this TED talk, first of all, which was the hardest thing I've ever done. Like the most difficult. You have to, I mean, I don't know how much people know. I didn't know this much. I was like, I mean, I've not given many TED talks, so I didn't know, but Um, You have to give like an 18 minute talk without any notes. You're not allowed to drink water. You're not like, it has to be so polished. And I've given talks before. I I like giving talks, but it's all like you have an hour and it's improvised and there's a PowerPoint you get notes and you can kind of like banter with the audience and get that energy. But in a TED talk, the audience is like in the dark. So you can't even see anyone. You're like looking into just a black abyss (laughs) and you have to be so polished and it just has to be like flawless. Like you can't make a mistake. And Mm. I think that pressure, that's so not how I am. I stumble over my words all the time. You know, I take a while to think about things and It was so scary. I have never been that nervous. When I was flying over the ocean to get to Athens, and I'm terrified of planes, there was like major, major turbulence. And I just thought, just take me, just plunge into the ocean. I don't want to do this. (laughs) I really felt relief. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die before I have to give this talk. This is great. So I, yeah, the whole thing was absolutely terrifying. And when I got off stage, I just immediately burst into tears. I just felt like that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I did it. And then I was off to this island. And the thing was, I just couldn't believe I had done the hardest thing I've ever done. And no one was there. Like nobody knew, no one on the island. I could maybe tell someone if they were interested, but no one really cared about me there. And I'd never felt that feeling of like, what's the point of this if I can't share it? And I've never had that experience before. I've always felt like I'm the only one who this should matter to, you know, and that like, I'm, I'm getting full enjoyment out of this. I remember hearing Anthony Bourdain saying, like what's worse to travel alone to an ugly place or a beautiful place because in a beautiful place you can't share it with anyone and I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard like you can have it for you like I I would love to be in a beautiful place by myself but I really understood that I thought I just did this major accomplishment I'm in this beautiful place and I'm not there's no one to be with there's no one who actually cares about me there's like the cute waiter who I can you know have a fun little conversation with but he doesn't really care about me he doesn't he didn't watch my talk so that was such a shift for me that's so interesting that it all came from the dead talk, <laughs> scary oh my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> would you describe yourself as a gut feeling kind of a person do you have like absolute clarity about things as they come to you or do you have to take a bit of time with to sit with the feelings you know, I think it's like, it, it's a process until the minute it's not, 
Mm. And there were so many, I've been on many trips in my life that did not go well, many solo trips. Um, I got really, really, really sick in a foreign country. I got mugged with a machete in a foreign country. Like I've had these objectively bad experiences that I think someone would say, next time, maybe bring a friend. Yeah. <laughs> or like next time, at least maybe like buy some data for your phone or make things a little easier for yourself. And I just always felt like, no, this is who I am. This is, this is what I'm about. I don't need that. And I think maybe there were little things sort of percolating, little ideas kind of percolating of like, oh, maybe I am a person who's kind of meant to be more in community. I've, I've done so much of my life by myself. I've been hyper independent, militantly independent. And, you know, maybe these little things kind of started chemically working in my mind together, but I wasn't ready until I was. And I think when, as soon as that happens, then it's so strong and it's like, whoa, why didn't I see this before? But it was a process. It was, it was kind of happening under the surface. And then this little like green sprout just, you know, came up from the ground as a new thought. And it's like, oh, right. This is why people travel <laughs> with other people. I didn't know. And now I know. Yeah. I think most people can be like, oh, I'm frustrated or restless or you know something along those lines but it sometimes can be harder for them to get to the root of what the emotion actually is do you have any tools for people to build their emotional literacy or just you know tools for self-inquiry that you use mm, I love that yeah you know it is funny I was today I was running all over town just doing the most banal chores that I was putting off and I was in I was in a very frustrated mood and and I was just I, I was feeling like just kind of uh, yeah like below the surface kind of upset and I had to really I would I had to treat myself like a little tantrum child a child like throwing a tantrum and I had to say what's happening I mean this would be like a very good parent doing this to a child I'm sure <laughs> I was trying to be a very good parent to myself and and I was just like god you're really what is going on like what's with this um let's unpack this a little and so I was kind of you know I imagined myself like a little onion just kind of being pulled back and pulled back and ultimately at first I was like okay I know I'm really hot so that's part of it and then you know I had to I'm doing Doing all these things that um that I've been putting off you know that's annoying but I got I finally got to the heart of feeling like I was being stretched thin by this particular project and I don't know if I would have identified that if I hadn't first had a little tantrum <laughs> and it was like you know it all came to the surface and so I do think there is a time and a place for kind of letting things bubble over until you think all right, what's actually happening here? And I think it is, you know, one thing that I think adults are very good at is thinking positive or like looking on the bright side. And I found that that is the worst thing you can do to get to know yourself better because then you're just covering it with sunshine. You're not like actually getting to the root. So I always in those moments, like really just sit with it and, and like almost repeat, like, I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling upset and just let it sit there until you get to the heart of it. Instead of being like, everything's fine, you know, which is, which is not good for trying to get ourselves, get to know ourselves better. No, it's really not. That's a good way of looking at it. Self-parenting. That's lovely. Yes. Show yourself that's some kindness. Yeah. <laughs> so do you feel like when you had this revelation that it ruined the experience of hedra for you? 
I think it made it into something else. Mm -hmm. I really, I made a lot of decisions that trip. I just really realized I didn't want to do life alone. I had such a strong feeling that I never wanted to travel alone again, which is a real, was a very scary thought. It actually made me cry a lot. I felt like I was very much grieving, like a part of me, a part of me that I really, really strongly identified with. I think it made the trip something actually more, more interesting than it would, you know, I just wanted to relax on the beach. And instead I had this heaviness, this sort of almost like cloud come over myself where it was almost, it was like a curtain lifted, like wow, this way that I've been doing life and even writing about it and identifying so strongly is actually not what I want anymore. And I knew, I mean, I've known for so long, like I want a boyfriend, I want to be in love. I want, But I didn't think, I didn't think I really wanted partnership. I didn't think that would work very well for my personality. I always thought my ideal if I ever got married or even had a boyfriend for longer than a few months, my ideal would be, oh, we live in different countries and we see each other yeah, at the airport. That's what I really wanted. That's what I thought my ideal was. I wanted so badly a witness to my life. And for so long, I thought I am the witness to my life and my journal is the witness to my life. And that just wasn't cutting it. So yeah, it, it enhanced the trip in a really bizarre way way where I was like oh my gosh this is actually kind of terrible but it's so memorable to me like it's such a standout trip for that reason so you wrote um, in the pre-interview notes I feel like I've done all the self-seeking that I really want to do now it's time for self-sharing it feels like maturing in a very specific way that all comes back to how and why I want to travel so can you speak a bit more about what it means to self-share in the context of travel? I think what I mean by that is like actual vulnerability. So what I put on Instagram or in my books, you know, I share personal stories, but that's, that's so behind a wall. I can hide behind that so easily. And I think a big part of my love of solo travel, actually, I mean, this is like real-time revelation therapist talk, like how much are you charging for this session? <laughs> um, is it was self-protection. Like, I don't necessarily want people to see the hard part. The, traveling's hard. Like, it's wonderful, but it's hard. I, I don't look cute after, <laughs> after a long flight. And I think there was a part of me that thought, I want to always be really on for, for anyone, for my friends, for, especially for a partner, you know, I want to look a certain way. I want to present a certain way. I want to be the most magical version of myself. And if I have someone with me, they're going to see some ugliness. They're going to see some tiredness. They're going to see, um, poisoning maybe. (laughs) Exactly. Good Lord. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, all kinds of things that are not that's not what I would want to show someone. And I think I've been really afraid of commitment on many levels for a long time because of that. It's scary. It's hard. And I've just learned in the past couple of years that committing even to friends is a discipline and something I wasn't doing a lot of before because I always wanted to leave. I always wanted to have an out. I always wanted to share a a very controlled part of my life with people. And then scoot away. 
And I think what, you know, what I felt during, during those dinners alone, where they would put me, you know, practically next to the, to the sous chef in the kitchen. Um, I felt like there are some really hard parts of this and, and I want to show that, and there's some beautiful parts and I want to show that. I think for a long time, I hid behind this kind of like, I'm finding myself, I'm seeking, I'm reaching out. I'm, I'm filling my mind with these interesting images. I'm filling my, my soul with these stories. I'm going to write all of this. But when it comes to like actually sharing the process, the, the less, you know, the, 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 the unprocessed parts, like that was so scary for me. And I just feel like, wow, that is me growing. Like that is a sign that, that, that I need to do that. If I'm interested in the growth of my soul, I need to do the things that are hard for me. And the things that are hard for me are not living abroad. Like that, that's like the easiest thing. That's like tying my shoelace, but like traveling with someone that's actually really hard for me. And that means that I have to do it <laughs> in order to grow, I guess. I love the way you, I mean, I feel like I'm the exact opposite of you. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, in some ways, I'm like one of four children. I'm like always used to being around people all the time. And I've like been with my partner since I was 16. So we have like we're always together. So I'm basically yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so I'm like coming from the opposite where I'm like, it's vulnerable being alone. And you're like, it's vulnerable being with people. <laughs> yes, totally. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been like about to move abroad or, you know, about to go on some vacation and people will say, oh, you're so brave. And I would always say, okay, bravery for me, mm -hmm. like when I, I move, I, I moved to South America right after college and and people told me I was so brave for doing that. And I said, you're brave for getting a job in an office. Like that would be the <laughs> yeah. hardest. I cannot even find something on my laptop. Like that is hard. Navigating a foreign country where I don't speak the language, I can handle that guys. And yeah, I mean, same. It's kind of like this. Yeah. Bravery for me is sharing myself with people. Bravery for me is, is actually like being open and, and not just in a like flirting with the barista in Berlin way, but like in an actually like we are at this dinner table together and we can't leave. <laughs> I that, you know, that's actually, that's actually a lot more challenging. And, um, and I love people like you who are, you know, that's really inspiring. It's like, that's awesome. That's awesome to be seen that way. Yeah. I mean, obviously it comes with its own sets of challenges. Of um, course. Thought, they all do. Yeah. But I love the way you live your life. I think it's amazing. And so after this revelation, did you end up traveling with people or with a person? Yeah. So I knew, I mean, I think maybe this is kind of, this is getting into some like more woo woo territory, which I'm <laughs> very well versed in, but I had a really, really strong feeling that I would not be single much longer. I just, I felt like that trip was kind of the goodbye to my single life. It was like bachelorette party for one. Like it just felt really um, significant. I came home and I was telling my friend about it and I just couldn't stop crying. And I said, I just feel like that was, that was the end. Like, and I, I've had this beautiful, beautiful journey being mostly single, occasional relationship, but nothing serious. 
and so many beautiful experiences alone. And I just really felt like this is the end. And then I did start dating someone seriously. And I can't imagine like traveling. I can't imagine like telling him, oh, I'm going to go, you know, go for a month away, which I've done in many relationships. And I remember one boyfriend telling me like, anyone who dates you has got to be used to you, like going off for a month. And I was like, yes, get with the program. That's exactly it. And now I just can't imagine doing that. And we've, it's been in the, you know, pandemic and all of that. So we've only taken little trips, uh, which is very vulnerable, you know, even, even going two hours away, it's like, oh my gosh, you're seeing, you're seeing so much of me and this, and hopefully we can go on much bigger things, uh, later, bigger adventures, but yeah, it's been just a total different shift. Totally different. Factoring someone in like, what's that? (laughs) What on earth is that? I have to agree to like where we're going to eat. Like what's (laughs) happening? I completely forgot to touch on the psychic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you saw, did you see the psychic before you departed or when you arrived? Yeah. Right before I departed. Is it something, do you often see psychics or is this a one-off? You know, I, now I do. <laughs> now I'm on a roll. But that was the first one I'd ever seen. And what did she tell you? So she, um, it was so funny. I didn't tell, I mean, this is how I, she built trust. Or maybe she just looked at my like event schedule online. I, I'll never know. But she said, you're going, um, I think she even said you're going to Greece. Like she, she said very specifically wow. that where I was going. And I was like, I'm going there next month or in a couple weeks or whatever and she said in Greece you will find a coin and like an ancient coin that your dad like left from beyond the grave to communicate with you and it's going to happen in a scenario where you're very vulnerable and I was like okay got it I'm finding this coin great I'm going to Greece I'm getting my coin and I believed her so strongly. I still kind of do in a weird way, but what happened was that whole trip, I did feel very alone. I was not enamored with being alone. I was, there were many parts of the trip that I would have wanted to share with someone. And one of them is that my knee had been really bothering me, um, that whole time. And I had gotten myself very far out onto this island. Again, no cars. Um, and I was in, I was in totally the other side and I had to walk back. And I just realized, like, I don't think I can walk. I, you know, busted my knee. It's really painful to walk. I like no one is around. I'm in the middle of an olive orchard. Like there is not a soul for miles. And when I also started feeling scared, like, what if I met a person with not great intentions. Like I I just suddenly felt so vulnerable. And I thought this is when the coin comes in and saves me somehow. Like, I don't know the mechanic, (laughs) like coin ready for (laughs) duty. I'm here. And I swear, like I looked, I I walked, I kind of hobbled back, like hopped on one foot all the way back, which took maybe two hours. And the whole time I was looking for this coin and it just wasn't appearing. And it was so frustrating. It was like, dad said, and I don't even know, how, again, like, I don't know how this coin was meant to help me in this scenario, but I, I suppose it would have been a, a, like a, a bit of hope and it just wasn't happening. And it was so 
sad and so frustrating that this one thing I thought was going to like keep me company somehow had also abandoned me. So it was just this feeling of being like so alone and so alone in such a beautiful place, which is such a striking contrast, you know, like you're in the most beautiful place. And yes, so that was kind of a, that was like a significant part of the trip too, where I really kind of had to come to terms with like, wow, we, we really make our own meaning. We really make our own magic and we really make our own connections. Like I, an an ancient coin isn't going to save me or give me, you know, the, the connection that I really needed. Like I, you gotta, that's like an inside job. You gotta do that yourself. And that was also sort of like, felt like kind of a maturing in a way of like, all right, I'm done believing in, I'm not, I mean, I totally believe in magic and all that stuff. I still go to psychics, but I'm done believing in like this one thing to rescue me or this one interaction to like save me from my loneliness. Like I need to actually work on that myself. I mean, what a trip. It does sound like it was really genuinely life-changing. Where do you think you would be now if you hadn't been on that trip? How do you think you'd be living? I've had a lot of a lot of moments in my life where I think if that hadn't happened, what would I believe about myself and the world? One little example is when I was in Rio, I got mugged and it was really scary. And I kind of felt like it was going to happen because everyone said it would happen, but it was really <laughs> scary. And I, later that evening, it happened during the day. And later in the, on in that evening, I thought, can I trust Brazil? You know, can I trust myself here? I still had two more weeks. And I decided to go out and find um, like something to do. And I ended up finding this amazing dance party that was going on in the streets. And it was just so life affirming and people were so kind to me. And I thought, oh, this is the real real. Like, this is so wonderful. And someone was asking me, what if you hadn't found that? Like, what if you hadn't like accidentally stumbled upon a dance party? And I thought, I would have found it somehow. Like, I would have found something. I would have found like a stray cat, or I would have found a lovely evening in a hammock. Like I would have found something to build my trust in the world again, because I was so determined for that. Mm. And I think when it came to this trip in Hydra, I don't think it was really anything about Greece. I don't even think it was the fact that no one knew what to do with a solo traveler. I think that it was like written in my soul to learn that I really needed people. And if it wasn't that trip, it would have been something else. And it just happened to be this beautiful place where I thought I really need to be sharing this with someone and I'm not. Um, That was the revelation, but I would have come to that revelation somehow else. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the pandemic definitely (laughs) probably would have done the trick, but um, nicer, nicer to have that revelation in a gorgeous uh, diamond shining bright island. The diamond island. I love it. And I love everything you say. I feel like whenever I read your stuff or even just hearing you talk now, it just spins me off on these other tangents that I want to explore myself. You know, oh, it's very, that's so nice. Yeah, I feel like that's the, that's really an indicator of good writing is when you have to like stop and take a minute and maybe do some journaling and like <laughs> feel all your feelings, oh, you know. <laughs> that's so lovely. Thank <laughs> you. You've been amazing. Where can people find you and your work online? I am mostly at by Mari Andrew on Instagram. And uh, my newest book is called My Inner Sky. 
<laughs> Should we talk about in, my inner sky quickly? Sure, sure. We're running out of time. In March, uh, March 2021, that was um, that was an absolute joy to write. And then it came out during the pandemic, and it was so strange to have that happen. But what <laughs> yeah, can you was- do? I feel like what I love about your writing is that you're not afraid to explore gray areas and in between moments in life, which a lot of writers, I feel like are told, you know, have an angle, have a grand unifying theory, have a hot take. (laughs) Yes, this is my resistance against capitalism. I love (laughs) the area, (laughs) no hot takes. (laughs) Yeah, and my inner sky is, is about those kind of moments in life that aren't like amazing that you want to shout from the rooftops. Totally. Yeah. It's all about the in-between. And it was so funny. I had such a good time writing it. I absolutely loved writing it. I was so excited for it to come out. And then it just came out in like, just like the rainiest, snowiest month of like year two of the pandemic. And I just felt like, wow, this is really on theme. Like we are (laughs) such an in-between place, doing everything virtually. It's such a, like, we're just waiting for this to end. And and you know it it came out when it needed to and it was I'm so grateful I got to write it it was just really lovely to think about those moments that aren't aren't normally talked about very much mm-hmm. well before you go do you have time to do a quick fire round with me oh my gosh love a fire round <laughs> okay what's the one thing every person should experience in their lifetime rejection oh well now I need to know more about that I know it's supposed to be a quick fire round (laughs) why rejection it's the best teacher yes good (laughs) (laughs) if you could teleport anywhere just for the day where would you go and what would you do Oh my gosh. I'd probably like spend the day with my mom and have a lot of mimosas. She actually, she doesn't live too far from me, but that's where I would go. (laughs) She lives in New York in the Upper West Side and that sounds like a dream day. I know. That's a pretty lazy teleport. (laughs) I know the subway is so terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Where were you from in a past life? Oh, Brazil. Besides Hydra, what's the less touristy place that you would recommend? Hmm, so many places. Um, I I feel this like very, very instinctive love for Brazil. And there's this little town called Parachi, which is in between Rio and Sao Paulo. And it is the most magical place that you can possibly begin to imagine. Take a boat tour around the little islands. It's just so lovely. And I don't think a lot of people know about it and it's a treasure would you describe it as special it's so special (laughs) um what's your top tip for an aspiring travel writer take your time take a lot of time don't feel like you have to write things quickly let let things simmer Mm. there's definitely a point where the writing flows out of you and it's ready to flow out that's what I feel Yes. I just wrote in my most recent book, I wrote about a trip I went on 10 years ago and I, I just was ready. You know, it's like, I, I just figured out what that trip was about. So. And you're a big journaler, right? So you can always yeah. go back and. and I can. Experience. That's can. Yes. Yes. That's very handy. <laughs> um, what's something that travel has taught you about yourself? You know, I think one thing is that levity 
is such a universal and like saving thing, like sense of humor, laughing about things. I, I mean, I don't always speak the language of where I go, but um, having something to laugh about, everyone gets embarrassed. Everyone does like silly things. And if you can kind of laugh about it with someone, um, that's such a gift. And I, I don't think I've always thought of myself as a light person, a very serious in for a long time. So learning that I have that side and can bring that out of people was um, a life changer. And finally, where is next on your bucket list? Oh my goodness. All I want to do is uh, go all around South America forever. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take anywhere, any countries that, the country that's open, I will be there in a heartbeat. Let me know. I will go. I just, I, it's my continent for sure that I love so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. We'll be back in two weeks' time with more inspiring travel stories for your ears. In the meantime, you can learn more about us by visiting fulltimetravel.co or following us on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. If you have a story you want to share on the trip that changed me, drop us a line. And please be sure to rate, review, and follow so we can keep this adventure going. 